0: Now, for, for those of you guys that, that don't know, most of you probably do. Um, I, I have a daughter. My oldest daughter just went off to uh, to college this fall. She, she's a incoming freshman. She's still on campus. She had not been sent away uh, yet. But one of the things that, that my wife and I learned uh, over this past year as we had a, a, a incoming freshman was that there's something that, that uh, people typically or or students get really anxious about, they get really nervous about. No, it's not the coronavirus, uh, particularly this year. There's a lot of things that they can get anxious about, but there's one thing in particular, and if you're a student, you know this. If you've experienced uh, life as a freshman in college, uh, or if you've already been there, you you know what what I'm about to say. And one of the things that, that makes you anxious is the roommate situation roommates. And it was no different uh, uh, for for our our daughter. She started getting nervous about that. And you know this, if if you're going off and and you're getting ready to get ruined with a stranger, you start worrying about that. Oh no, I'm about to live life with somebody in a really small box for a really long time. And and you wonder how that's going to work out. Now, Uh, Taylor, my daughter, she was fortunate. She's actually able to room with her best buddy since the fourth grade. Uh, Her best friend decided to go to the same college. They actually are rooming together, so that's great. But even though that's the case, we still had to have the conversation with her to say, listen, that's going to be great, but your friendship dynamic may change because now your living arrangement has changed. And, and so, what we told her was, we, we, we were like, listen, it, you'll have the opportunity uh, because now you're going to be living together so much for your friendship to, to go even deeper, to, to get even more beautiful. But the other thing that you got to be aware of is it could go sideways really quick, depending on how you confront one another when you're in such tight. Quarters. Now, this principle is is not new. This principle actually plays out in other arenas of our life. We see that even in in our work environment. If if we've got a a co-worker that we just kind of know, sometimes we may have lunch with, they get transferred now, and so now their job actually puts you as cubicle buddies. Now you're all up in each other's space, and things are about to get real, aren't they? Now now you you actually find out that that person likes Tic Tacs, and so you you hear them coming and going. And now you got to figure out how are you going to confront them about this tic-tac issue, right? Or things could get even more real when we decide that we're going to actually spend the rest of our life with another person in a small box. And that's called marriage. We we know this, those that have been married for a long time, especially you know this, that if we're not careful, the I do can quickly turn into the, oh, no, you don't. Right? And so, so all these principles play out. What's happening is you're now, you're, you're living in small spaces. We know that when we start to experience things up close and personal with another human, things get real, really fast. Because the smaller that that relational circle gets, the more intense the conflict can get. We know this, and it's really even not about the conflict, is it? Really, the main issue is how you're going to handle the confrontation when the conflict happens. And because you're in that, those tight circles, we know it's going to be even more intense. So you've got to decide, well, how am I going to handle conflict when I've got to actually uh, tell a hard truth to somebody I love? And maybe more importantly, you've got to decide, how are you going to handle it when somebody confronts you, when the shoe's on the other foot, when, when somebody now has to confront you with a hard truth that you need to hear, but you may not necessarily want to hear. You see, guys, our, our faith life is no different, is it? We know we, we shouldn't be shocked when we actually experience um, confrontation when we're living in these small circles with one another in fact we should actually expect that we know that we should expect that it's actually going to happen but oftentimes, I actually encounter some different expectations from people uh, here, I- I- even at New Life. In fact, one of my, one of my roles here at New Life is, is I oversee group life. I oversee those small circles. And generally speaking, uh, a lot of times I'll run into two different expectations, two different kind of personalities, so to speak. And, and, and one, got, uh, you, you saw through that video that, that we showed today, one is people come in and, and, and they have a personal expectation of just, hey, I want some superficial friendships. Uh, they, they basically they'll, they'll come up to me with this long list of expectations and and they look to me like i'm their matchmaker like on meetup.com I'm, like hey, jonathan. Well, i've just got this list If you could just find me uh, this 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 and this that'd be great Good luck with that and so they'll take this list with them and They'll go check out a group and man if, if, they, if they don't find what they're looking for some of those superficial expectations They'll just move on to the, to the next group and So I, I run into that or I'll actually run into the opposite as well, and I'm, I'm going to stereotype here. A lot of times I, I run into the opposite uh, with guys in particular. Guys look at group life. They look at something like that, and, and they stiff-arm it, and they're like, no way am I getting involved in that share fest. I am not interested in, 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 in getting in anybody else's business, and I don't want anybody getting up all up in my business, so no, thank you. I don't want any kind of group therapy at all. Listen, guys, group life, when we live life together in the body of Christ in close quarters with one another, there are things that, that are natural to expect. Yes, we should come together and eat together and play together and enjoy one another's fellowship and serve together and study God's word together. All those things should be happening, but that's not the primary purpose and that the purpose shouldn't be about finding some superficial friendships or about group therapy, but, and here's the big but, but it should be about confrontation. That, we should expect that, that, that should be a big element that's part of our group life. Now, what do I mean by that? I mean, guys, we have got to, get to learn to actually move toward the mess in one another's life we have actually got to learn how to confront one another because it's going to happen, how to confront uh, our mess that's in our own hearts, how we're supposed to go about confessing the mess that's in somebody else's life and in somebody else's heart because, listen, if we can never get to that point, if, if we can't learn how to confront, allow God to use others to confront what's in our own hearts and we don't learn how to confront what's in somebody else's heart, then we're going to miss out. We'll miss out on that life-altering change that comes from gospel transformation that God wants us to experience. Guys, we, we will miss out on actually being known deeply by somebody else. And we'll miss out on knowing somebody else deeply. And, and who that somebody else is in our life is not near as important as how that somebody else is in our life. And so so here's the big, it's important to understand this, here's kind of the big idea, the big takeaway from today's message. You'll see this on the screen as well. But guys, listen, if if we ever want to get serious, if we ever want to experience real-life transformation, the kind of gospel transformation that God would have in store for us, if we ever want to experience transformation in our life, we have got to start altering our small group expectation. We, we have to, that, that, that's a must. And listen, Jesus understands this. This is not just some theory to him. He actually uh, did this and practiced this and modeled this with other humans. Uh, and, and we see that all throughout scripture. And, and know this, Jesus is not interested in meeting my personal expectations and your personal expectations and fulfilling all of those things. He is interested in changing them. And so why would that be the case? And today I want to look at an encounter with Jesus that we find in Luke chapter 7. Uh, Luke chapter 7, this is the encounter that, that we want to look at today. It's in verses 36 through 50. And so I just want to start reading this uh, story to you today, this encounter To you today, and and I'll pause along the way as as I read this to give you a little bit of background to help you maybe understand some stuff that's going on that you, you may not have recognized otherwise. And so let me just start in verse 36. And it says, One of the Pharisees asked him, Jesus, to eat with him. And he went into the Pharisee's house and he reclined at a table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of ointment, and standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of her head, and kissed his feet, and anointed them with the ointment. Now, uh, for, for those of you guys that know story and, and narrative, uh, there's a lot going on right away. Uh, there's foreshadowing that's going on. All, all those things that just got listed that that woman did to Jesus, most of those things in ancient life, most of those things should have happened by the, the host of the party to the guest and especially to an honored guest. Those things should have already happened to Jesus by the host. So There's some foreshadowing there that's gonna come back around that's gonna be important at the end of our story. But it's also important to note kind of the the scene that's happening there that the the writer is portraying uh, when he says, Behold, a sinful woman, uh, a woman of the city came in. We're not exactly sure uh, what her sin was, but we're very clear that it was public. Everybody knew it, that there there was no hiding the fact that that she was living in sin, that it was public knowledge, knowledge that she was A sinful woman. And so you have this religious leader, this Pharisee, that invites Jesus to a dinner party for for certain reasons that we're going to find out later. But he invites him in, and then all of a sudden, behold, drama, the tension rises because in walks this sinful woman, and everybody knows it. And so the tension in this small group setting goes up. And everybody would have been aware of this fact, including Jesus and including the host that had invited him and that had failed to do all these things to his honored guest. And now listen, you also have to remember in ancient life, most of life was lived in, there was very little of your life lived in private. If if we think we have no privacy today, it it was true back then too. Most of your life was lived in public, even your house. This Pharisee would have probably had a house that had a large center courtyard there, and and the rooms would have surrounded that courtyard and led into that courtyard. And so this wouldn't have been a scenario like you invite somebody over to your house for dinner, and then just some stranger walks in your back door. No, people mingled in and out in that courtyard. And so the woman would have followed Jesus in. So she wouldn't have been an invited guest, but this wouldn't have been a surprise. And so we want to continue reading now on on, uh, what happens next in our story in verse 39. And so now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, or at least he thought he said it to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would have known who and what sort of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answering said to him, Simon, now we know his name, I have something to say to you because now it's getting personal. And he answered, say it, teacher. Now, this may seem like a little innocuous statement, but in the translation back then, when a rabbi who, like Jesus was, when somebody said a statement like this, really what they were saying was, hey, I'm about to respond to you with a blunt speech and you're probably not gonna like it. What you're about to hear. So in walks a sinful woman, the tension goes up. People are like, "Uh uh-oh. Now Jesus actually, what, what the Pharisee thought he said to himself in private now gets exposed and the tension goes up even more. And so the Pharisee realizes what's about to happen, that Jesus is about to say something and it's gonna be pretty blunt and he may not like it. And so now the tension increases. And so he actually starts out by responding to him with just a short, small parable. And a parable is simply just a story that had a primary point to it that that typically was thoughtful and practical and often provocative. And so uh, Jesus is gonna cut straight to the chase with this little parable. And he says this in verse 41. "'A certain moneylender had two debtors. "'One owed 500 denarii and the other 50.' And when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon answered, and this is, this is Jonathan's version of how I think he may have answered here, the one, I suppose, for whom he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you have judged rightly. So guys, right away, uh, th- th- there was no hiding it. Simon knew what, what Jesus had just said to him he was exposing him he was exposing some some things that were going on in simon's heart some things that he needed to hear in his own life and it was blunt and simon would have gotten that and everybody else in that small group setting would have gotten that but jesus didn't leave it there he didn't end it there he turned up the heat even more now our foreshadowing comes back in and this is he continues talking to simon and so it He's actually going to look at the woman now, but he's still going to be talking to Simon. And he says, Then turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not Anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but he who has forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Then those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And guys, the, 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 the culmination of, of, of this story is this Jesus decided to, co- to confront two people that day, to expose two hearts that day, the heart of Simon and the heart of this woman. So he was exposing both hearts that day. Both of our characters were getting exposed. And don't confuse this when you, when you hear this. Uh, th- this woman, she, she is not forgiven because she treated Jesus better than Simon did. She is loving on Jesus, and she is showing extreme gratefulness and humility to Jesus because she has been forgiven by him. And that is so important for us, guys. Gratefulness, humility is always a byproduct of a heart, that's been forgiven. And Jesus was in this small group setting. He was revealing that both were sinners. Both of them were sinners. One, everybody knew it. The other, maybe not so much. But both needed Jesus's forgiveness. And one had accepted it and responded like it. And one didn't think he needed it. And he acted like it. And guys, that is so true for us in our daily living. We need that constant reminder that, that our posture should always remain at the feet of Jesus with a grateful heart. But that is not a natural posture for us, is it? We need help. In fact, a lot, in a lot of instances in our life, we need other people there in our lives that know us and we know them that are willing to confront us and expose our hearts so that we can actually express and experience the posture that we need because we have been forgiven of so much. So oftentimes it takes being confronted by others in love that's in our life to help us display that type of posture. Guys, if we ever wanna, wanna get there on a consistent, regular basis, we have got to start showing up in the right kind of relational circles. It is so important, guys, we have to start showing up consistently in the lives of one another. In fact, that, that, that's kind of the, a, a sub-point today is that we have to show up consistently in the right relational circles. It isn't optional. It is critical if we want God to continue to transform our hearts and to mold our posture to one that's grateful and humble for the forgiveness that he's given us. And guys, we we have to choose to do that. We have to choose, intentionally choose to show up in one another's life when it's easy and when it's hard, especially when it's hard, especially when we know if we show up in this small circle, eventually we're going to get known, eventually we're going to know other people, eventually there's a really good chance we're going to get exposed for some things that are really going on in our heart, and there are going to be some hard truths that we're going to have to deal with and handle, but guys, we've got to start looking at these relational circles like a long-term investment. We've got to decide that showing up matters, that we are gonna be intentional whether we feel like it or not, whether it's gonna be hard or not, that we're gonna to continue to show up in the lives of one another in these small circles so that we can allow God's truth to penetrate our hearts, so that we can actually deal with it. And yes, guys, good things happen to those who show up. But godly things tend to happen to those who show up in the right circles. And that is so important, that is so critical for us guys when we place ourselves in those right circles with other believers guess what that does it eventually slows us down enough to where we don't just hear the truth of God presented to us like we do in the large circle but we actually now have to deal with it we actually have to grapple with what's really going on in our heart because of that truth that's penetrating see guys this it, it is nearly impossible to live out biblical community in a large group context, in a large group setting. It, it, it's nearly impossible to do that by yourself. And guys, the confrontation that took place in, the, in this story, in the life of Simon, and in the life of this woman, it would not have taken place uh, in the mass gathering that sometimes that Jesus preached to, and it wouldn't have taken place if Simon had just decided to dine alone or if the woman had decided not to follow Jesus in to that small group setting that day. And guys, it is no different. For us, it takes living small with one another to one another, one another. Let me say that again. It takes living small with one another to one another, one another, over and over and over again, all throughout the Gospels, all throughout Scriptures. We hear this, hey, and and he's talking to believers, the church here, and that's what we were talking to today. He's saying, hey, you're supposed to love one another. You're supposed to be kind to one another. You're supposed to forgive one another. You're supposed to carry each other's burdens. Guys, you cannot one another each other in that large group context or by yourself. And in fact, do you know what has to happen in order for you to actually forgive somebody else in your life? You gotta wrong them, or they have to wrong you. Now, now, that is not something that we have to practice, is it? Our wrongness doesn't need practicing. We are gonna wrong somebody, and so guaranteed when you show up on a regular basis in a small group of people, eventually somebody is gonna do something that hurts you and that wrongs you. And guess what? Eventually, you're going to do something to somebody else, and you're going to hurt them. But here's the beautiful thing. Here's the transformational truth that happens when we're living like that, when we hurt each other. Now we get to experience forgiveness to one another and it only happens because we wronged each other and so you guys know this you know this when this has happened with a friend and you've had to confront hard truths with one another and you do it in the right way and you forgive one another it's a beautiful thing that happens your relationship grows deeper transformation happens and that's what you get to experience now your experience got your experience in gospel forgiveness with one another and you're being changed and that other person is being transformed and now real life transformation starts to take place. Guys, we can't just start showing up in those circles expecting to, to reveal only the good parts of our life and expecting that, that others are only gonna reveal the good parts in their life. That, that's the easy stuff because we, we get really good at crafting our own little public image, don't we? Just like, this, just like Simon had done. We, we get really good at crafting that public image online or when we show up for, for, for a corporate gathering worship service. We're really good at that. But, guys, listen, don't be surprised. If real-life transformation, if every week this gospel that, that, that Chris preaches from and, and talks about all this transformation that should be happening in your life, do not be surprised if transformation is not happening in your life if you never show up to an environment where it can take place. But if you'll consistently start investing in the spiritual friends that you need, they'll eventually become the friends that you want. They may not have been the friends that that you would have picked to begin with, but they'll eventually be the friends that you want. See guys, Jesus is not interested in keeping our life safe and comfy, because he knows that safe and com- comfy is far more dangerous than being confronted by somebody in love. In fact, being exposed in love by others is actually critical and necessary for that real-life transformation to take place in our life because one of the things that tends to happen, especially one of the things that tends to happen after we've been a Christian for a long time, is we, if we're not careful, we can start to experience spiritual blindness. We can fall victim to spiritual blindness. And we need one another, and here, here's an, another key idea today, key point. We need one another to help reveal what we can't or what we refuse to see. Guys, Simon was blinded to his own sinfulness that day. He was blinded to the fact that that, that he was actually a sinner too in desperate need of God's forgiveness. But he had built this spiritual superiority wall and it was thick with pride and arrogance and contempt for others, especially others he deemed sinful. But he needed someone in his life that was courageous enough to speak truth into his heart, to actually confront him with the truth that he needed, and to actually expose his greatest need that day. And guys, the longer that you live your life behind those kind of walls, the harder it's going to be for you to step out from behind them. See, if we're not careful— our default posture after we've been a christian for some time our default posture can turn from a grace dispenser to a grace forgetter and guys the reality is is that yes on this side of eternity when we have put our faith and trust in christ by the grace of god we get to become saints children of god and that's amazing grace and 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 yes uh, are, 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 but, but the fact remains that, that while we, we, we become saints, we are yet still sinners. Are we saved sinners? Yes. Are we sanctified sinners? Yes. But we are sinners none the less. And so that the choice becomes for us is which kind of sinner are, are you going to be? And in this story today, we see actually two different kind of sinners, don't we? With the woman, we actually see that overt sinner this was a woman she was she was uh, uh, listen simon wasn't lying when he said she was a sinful woman she was that wasn't the point the point was she was an overt sinner she knew it she knew that jesus had forgiven her of much she was overt about it and she acted like it or we can decide to be the covert sinner that simon represents in our story And Simon here didn't think he even had to be forgiven of much, or at least didn't think he had to be forgiven of much anymore. And that's how he lived his life. See guys, Jesus spoke the truth that day, and both needed to hear it. And it was a truth that was affirming for that woman, and it was piercing to him. And guys, God's word was spoken in love. Jesus confronted both of them, and he spoke God's word in truth and in love that day, and there wasn't a written text in sight. And the irony is that Simon's intent that day was actually to expose Jesus. Expose Jesus for the gluttonous, drunk, sinner lover that he was. Just go back a few verses, you'll you'll see what I'm talking about. He, He surely didn't want to expose him as a prophet of God, much less the son of God. See, he wasn't interested in being confronted with his greatest need through the truth of the gospel that day because Simon's spiritual blindness had produced this spirit of contemptibility and this spirit of unapproachability. I I, I guarantee you that day that, that there were very few people in Simon's life that were even willing to approach him with the truth that he needed to hear because of that spirit, that spiritual blindness, and that unapproachability that we had. I'll never forget a few years ago, I heard a great sermon, and one of the challenges that the pastor gave was to say, hey, uh, you need to start you've got a few everybody typically has a few trusted people really trusted people in their life and i want to challenge you to actually go and i want i want to invite them to approach you with the truth that you need to hear so he said ask them and invite them to say what's it like to be on the other side of me really so so I, I heard that, and I, and I talked to my wife about that and said, hey, let's do that. And you gotta be careful when you decide to open that truth door because people will walk on through it. So I wouldn't necessarily recommend this, but if you got a, just a couple trusted people that you can do that, we did that. And wow, man, that they, they, they exposed us and, and let us have some truth that we really needed to hear that was hard to hear, but we grappled with it. And I'll never forget another family member. We talked to them about this. They decided to do that. And they actually sent this out to, to a couple of friends as well. Well, and man, they cut loose and, and they let back to, this to say, hey, yeah, well, you're actually uh, really stubborn a lot of times. And you've got a really critical spirit. And a lot of times you're smug. And I was like, man, did she read mine? What is going on? But, but she responded angrily at first. And they, they said back, they're like, we thought you knew. Let's listen. We can all fall victim to that spiritual blindness. And we need people in love to be honest with us. But listen to me and, get, and, and hear this t- today. We all need to learn first to be approached by God's truth before we ever decide to approach somebody else. Always start with the letter I before you ever get to the letter U. We've got to start learning how to be approached with God's truth that we need to hear and how to approach others. And we do that when we start living in the right small circles with one another and by taking the posture that this sinful woman took, a posture of humility and gratefulness. Because, guys, when we approach one another today in our little small circles— We're not gonna have Jesus physically by our side to walk with us to help us speak truth that that, that we have a hard time speaking. No, but we will have Jesus' spirit inside of us, inside of our soul. So whether we're the ones being approached or we're about to approach somebody else with something that could be confrontational and hard to talk about, we have got to make sure that we have the right spirit in mind, the right little s spirit, and the right big s spirit. Spirit. Now, does, does this mean that, that, okay, great, Jonathan just said we get to go drop all the truth bombs we want to people. We're, we're free to do that. No, guys, but, but, but here's the point, is you've eventually got to find out. You've eventually got to get in there with people and live life with them long enough where, where they can help you be exposed with some of your spiritual blindness. And you've got to show up consistently in order to do that and to figure out the best approach and the best way to do that. Now, I know what you're thinking. Wow, this is the worst group life promotion ever, (laughs) right? But but guys, hear me on this. I don't have to promote the fun, do I? It's the hard stuff. It's the hard stuff that produces the good stuff, that produces the transformational stuff in us. So so guys, listen, if you're already living small with one another, maybe you've already got a group life that that you're already doing life together with, that's great, there's a challenge I wanna leave with you today. And it's just a a few questions, and and your leader may may wanna send these out in advance so you really have time to grapple with these. But I I want you to be honest and real, first with yourself, and then eventually maybe with others at the right time and place. So one of the questions is just simply this, what's been your expectation of group life? And does it need to change? Are you living a life that allows others to approach you with the truth and love? And then ask ask this to, to yourself and to one another. What posture do you and those in your group typically take toward one another and toward those outside of your church circles even? And let that soak. And be honest with yourself. Be honest with one another. And and maybe you're listening right now and you have been confronted with the gospel before, but, but you have yet to take that courageous step to actually submit and give your heart and life to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Guys, you can do that, and you can do that today. You don't have to wait. You can trust, put your faith and trust in the person of Jesus for what he's done, for what he's doing and what he's gonna do, and you can trust in him to forgive you of all your sins and become an overt sinner saved by grace. You can do that right now, but I would encourage you to as fast as you can once you make that decision, go look for a small group of people, not just for superficial friendships, not just for the dinner parties, not just for that, But primarily, what you need to be looking for is when you show up to a small group of people, when you show up to that small circle, one of the main things you should be looking for is what kind of posture is represented here on a regular basis. Are these people responding on a regular basis like they have been forgiven of much? With gratefulness and a humble heart. Guys, if you ever want to experience real-life transformation, we have got to start altering our small group expectation. We've got to expect things to get messy because, yes, we are still sinners. But we are going to pray. I am going to pray. You are going to pray that when we get in tight with one another and we we actually start knowing one another, we are going to pray that we are, are going to be sinners that live like we have been forgiven of much. Would you pray with me now? God, uh, I know that it's not easy sometimes to to hear what you have to say to us, to Mm -hmm. hear the, the truth that we need spoken into us. And God, it's definitely not easy to, Share with somebody else things that are hard, truths that they need to see, Father. God, I just pray now that you would pour out your spirit, you would pour out your grace, you, you would just pour into us your goodness, your grace, and your forgiveness so that as we interact with one another, God, you could transform us, you could use us to transform one another. God, we love you today. We praise you today. And we expect you to change our hearts and to change our expectations and to change us in those small group settings into the people that you would have us to be. And we pray this in your son's name.